Time and time again, people come to Sage International Incorporated because they experience confusion about the entity or entities they have formed either on their own or through another service provider. If you do not understand how to obtain solid liability protection, effective tax reduction, or have never given any thought to the importance of exit or estate planning issues, then the Sage Facilitator Program was designed specifically for you. To learn more, call Sage International Incorporated at 775-786-5515 and schedule a free 30-minute consultation with Sherry Hill today. The SAGE clients enrolled in the SAGE Facilitator Program have discovered that this proprietary process creates tremendous peace of mind for themselves and their families. It's time for you to stop worrying by calling 775-786-5515 to learn more so we can help you today. Call SAGE International. Now, Nevada Real Estate Radio. You'll never go wrong when you get your advice from real estate professionals that you know, like, and trust. Here is your host, Peter Padilla. Good day, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Nevada Real Estate Radio. I'm glad to be with you today. Today, we are going to be talking with Aaron Henson. Aaron is a mortgage loan officer and production sales manager at United Federal Credit Union. We're going to be talking about ways to help people that are challenged today with buying a home. We know all the deal details about what's going on in the general public, you know, inventory, interest rates, prices, affordability, etc. But there are so many other things that really get into your obstacles than, than those general things that are always in the presence of the American populace when they're looking to purchase real estate. Well, today we're going to take a closer look at four areas that we think will help you greatly if you're looking to purchase a home. Think you can't? We have a way that maybe you can. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. If you love teaching and want to make a difference in the lives of our young children, become a teacher at Community Services Agency. Hi, my name is Brandi Dunbar, and I've lived here in Reno my entire life. I've worked for child care for the last 17 years, and I just started working at CSA about a year ago, and I absolutely love it. Here at CSA, teachers have more time to plan, more time to teach, and more time to play. Call 786-6023. If you want the best tax and legal secrets used by successful real estate investors today, contact Sherry Hill, the wealth protection diva at Sage International Incorporated, a local company that's been helping new as well as seasoned real estate investors for over 20 years protect their hard-earned wealth today. To schedule a free 30-minute consultation with Sherry, call 775-786-5515. That's 775-786-5515 to strategize with the Wealth Protection Diva today. Call Sage International. The most productive hour of your week. Here is your host, Peter Padilla. You're tuned in to Nevada Real Estate Radio. Great day to tune into our show. Many people are off for the summer looking for part-time work, maybe a new full-time job before they have to hit it again in the fall. People in the education business especially need to know about Community Services Agency. They are looking to hire Head Start and Early Head Start teachers. The pay is good, the benefits are excellent, and the environment is fantastic. You will have so much fun working with the young kids at Head Start and Early Head Start programs from Community Services Agency. Imagine this, your clients are six months old, maybe four years old, five years old, and then that's it. They graduate, they move on to kindergarten. 
And these kids know how to take care of themselves because the people at Head Start and Early Head Start at Community Services Agency do a great job with all of them, even the little infants. It's an amazing thing to see, and it's amazing how you can contribute to society and the young people of Northern Nevada. Give them a call, 775-786-6023, or check out the website, csareno.org. Head Start and Early Head Start Education is working and ready for you. In the studio with me today, Aaron Henson from United Federal Credit Union. Welcome back to the show, Aaron. Thanks, Peter. Appreciate you having me on again. Uh, I'm glad you're here, too. Uh, that hot weather out there is reminding me just not only how important having your own home is, Aaron, but also having air conditioning. I agree 100%. I mean, isn't that one of the best inventions that we can ever think of? Oh, boy. Especially when you're, uh, you know, this time of year when you're camping and you're in your trailer. <laughs> oh, yeah. When I was a young man, my parents did not have air conditioning. Uh, we just would open the window and wait for the darkness and look for shade. Um, and then one day, they made that big move to get a swamp cooler. Hmm. And when we got the swamp cooler, oh my gosh, I thought I was in the Arctic. <laughs> it was so nice and so refreshing. Uh, I don't see a lot of uh, swamp coolers here in northern Nevada. There's probably a few around. I uh, moved here from northern uh, western Colorado, that is, where there were a lot of swamp coolers. But thank God we have that cooler air to wor uh, work with because it was over 100 degrees just oh. a few days ago. Yes, sir. So, uh, yes, value of uh, having a home, always there. I heard a great quote from a gentleman today, and that was that you absolutely will buy a home if you don't own one. Absolutely. In fact, it's guaranteed that you buy a home even if you don't own one because you're either buying one for yourself or you're buying one for your landlord. Mm -hmm. So why not buy the home for yourself instead of buying it for your landlord? Well, today well, I want to talk about how we can make that happen. And Aaron, I'm going to start by talking a little bit about my personal experiences with the home buying process. Well, the first thing I thought about is I can't afford to buy a home. I don't have X number of thousands of dollars in my bank account. I don't have the ability to make those high mortgage payments compared to my low rent payment. That's what I was thinking in those days. And then finally, I just didn't think that I was going to be around very long. And if you're not going to be around living in a particular area very long, why buy, right? Um, and so those are the things that I thought about as a young man. But the reality of it is, I think I was masking one big issue, Aaron, and that is that I didn't have any idea where my finances were. I want to talk about a personal family budget. Not sure if you are um, talking to your prospects, your clients about family budgets or that you have a family budget. But Aaron, have you heard about people that have a rigid family budget that they follow pretty pretty closely every day? Oh, absolutely. Um, How critical do you think that is? Yeah, no, and every time I do come across those clients that have those, uh, those budgets in place, they are always in a better position. Yeah, yeah, what are some of the things that people need to really look at, do you think, when they put their family budget together? What are some of the things that they need to lay out there? Yeah, I mean, for, first and foremost, you have your necessities, right? You have your, your shelter, your food, and your utilities. So with those, um, you know, you really got to understand the household income and, and not just the gross, but the net, the take-home income, uh, and, then, and then go from there and, and create a, create a, a plan uh, and, and, and stick to it uh, with the spending. So one of the things that I found helpful uh, with getting my family budget together, because see, well, let me just back up a little bit. I was, I was married 
many years ago, and I did not do my own budget. I had to have my spouse take care of my budget and all pay all the bills, and all I did was make the deposit, and that was automatic, so I didn't really <laughs> do much. Yep. And then suddenly, I found myself all alone and needing to take care of my, I had no idea what, what to do, how to do it, and I was still doing things like writing checks and opening mail and trying to correspond through the U.S. Post Office uh, to deal with my bills, and obviously I, I had trouble with that. But one of the things that really helped me turn around, Aaron, was when I far followed my spending. I started to track my spending mm -hmm. uh, almost, uh, you know, almost to an anal retentive uh, position where I'm constantly looking for every receipt. And, you know, it's just kind of a quirk that I have now. I save every receipt. I know every receipt, every nickel that I've spent. And that's the only thing that keeps me insanity. Mm -hmm. Insanity. <laughs> sane, yes. I have to stay sane by knowing where my money is because I've been to those uh, points in my life, Aaron, where I didn't know where my money was, and I was falling behind on payments on one hand, but on the other hand, I had extra money that I didn't know why it was there, because I wasn't moving the money properly. Essentially, I had to realize just how critical it is to be in charge of your own finances. Absolutely. That's how it is at our house as well. <laughs> I'm, I, uh, I'm the one with uh, uh, directing the finances. Okay. I kind of tend to, to follow the, the third rule. The third rule is, you know, third for bills, third for play and third for savings. Mm -hmm. So you mm -hmm. can build up that savings. Essentially, you want at least six months of, of what we call reserves or mm -hmm. savings yeah. in your account just in case you know something happens. Well, now, as a young man, I had a little different formula. It was 95% for fun, yes. 5% for yeah. whoever's hounding me for uh, money. And are you kidding? Savings? <laughs> what do you need that for? Right, right. You get paid every week. No, you're right. You have to really have a, a plan, and you have to stick to the plan. When I was a young man, Aaron, I liked the fact that I did not have a routine. I did not like people to know what my next move was. I was always kind of doing things differently, changing things, moving around, going different places, doing things differently. I felt like it, it made me somewhat cavalier, and it did to a degree, but what it also made me was irresponsible to a large degree. And now, in my elder years, I've realized just how important having certain routines are to the rest of your life. You have simple right. little routines that keeps you in routine elsewhere. And when it comes to your family budgets, well, it's critical. It can make or break somebody. Let's talk a little bit about a family budget. You know, for most American people still today, I think, Aaron, at the dinner table, at breakfast, lunch, whatever, talking about money is somewhat taboo. It's kind of private. You know, nobody wants to talk about it. Everybody wants it, but nobody ever wants to talk about it. And, and really, I think the reason is that a lot of people are embarrassed to talk about money because they overspend for this or they're too frivolous on that or they're afraid somebody might not lock their money decisions. But the fact is, I really think that we have to talk more about our money because it's a very important part of our ability to live. I think, in fact, Aaron, that a lot of discrimination that people talk about across the country, whether it be about gender, about racial, whatever, for the most part, from my experience, discrimination is based on finances. People don't like poor people. People don't like those who are needy. People don't like those that are always begging and asking for other people's help. You know what people like? I think they like people that are really self-reliant. And when you're self-reliant, you not only help yourself, but think about all the great people that you can help when you can take care of yourself. So I've always en encouraged people, Aaron, to, to save money every single month. I don't care how much money you earn, whatever you've got. 
But you've got to get into the habit, right? That routine I'm talking about. That every month you put money in this little kitty, or you put money in this savings account, or you buy this stock, or you put it in your Roth, or your IRA, wherever it is, but you do it by habit, and you force it. I mean, habits at the beginning, they're not very comfortable. You really have to force them. But see, people have to understand that wealth is not the same as income. You know, you can make a good income every year, but if you spend it all, you're not getting any wealthier at all. In fact, you're just getting older. Right. <laughs> if you're living on the high, well, you're enjoying that. But, you know, wealth is, is, is what you accumulate for the future. It's not what you spend every day. It is what you accumulate for yourself and for your family. Uh, some people think about Social Security as their ultimate retirement, but there's always no guarantee on that. And even so, Social Security typically can only uh, cover about, at best, 35 to 40% of your monthly expenses on average if you quit your job, stop working, and then just become a dependent on Social Security. So having the ability to manage and track your own finances really critical. Aaron, one of the things I found that a lot of people struggle with when we were helping them with their personal fi uh, family budget was their um, entertainment. Right. You know, you put down the rent payment, you put down uh, an estimate for food, and then uh, you look at the income, and you say, well, where's all that extra money going? <laughs> well, you know, I got to eat. And I said, well, sure, yep. don't you have that in groceries up there? Well, yes, Peter, but I have to eat out lunch every day because I work downtown at the office. Really? How much you spend on that lunch every day? Well, you know, sometimes I go with the girls or the guys, and, you know, it's probably 20 to $35 a, a day. And I said, wait a minute, that's 170 a week, more or less. She says, yeah, maybe 200 with tip. I said, $200. Let's multiply out time, times 52 weeks. Well, that's about 10 grand a year on lunches. Mm -hmm. Is there any way we could cut that down to maybe to six grand or five grand? And before long, we find ways to do that, right? You brown bag it one or two days. Uh, you go to a fast food in another day. Maybe you get a double order one day and you save it for the next. I mean, there's just a lot of ways. Absolutely. What are some of the ways that you uh, think about, Aaron, about reducing somebody's daily budget beyond the essentials, like like say, beyond groceries and rent? I mean, what are people spending money on? Yeah. So um, <clears throat> when I when I meet with uh, you know, potential home buyers that, uh, that that really don't have a budget uh, set or a plan in place. One of the first things we do is, you know, we obviously take the loan application, uh, see what what position they are at uh, from the start or from the beginning, and then we go from there. Mm -hmm. So essentially, you know, credit obviously a huge factor. Uh, I would say the top factor in regards to getting pre-approved for a mortgage. So first and foremost, even if you don't have a budget or a plan. Make sure you're paying your bills, right? Right. Uh, and then second thing uh, is that we'll, you know, we'll sit down and we'll go through and dissect their bank statements mm -hmm. and their spending habits, mm -hmm. you know, line by line, day by day, and kind of start to categorize uh, their spending habits and, and where uh, there's frugalist spending that doesn't need to be, uh, that, that can be cut down. Um, a lot of the times you're right. It's either, you know, Starbucks which, you know, there I think they're up to 5 $6 for a cup of coffee now. So, you know, your fast food. Mm -hmm. um, you know, these things can be avoided. Uh, you know, our, our issue, uh, <laughs> uh, ongoing issue in our family is, is the Amazon. You know, when I come home and I see a box on the, on the porch every day, it's like, okay, well, let's, 
let's reevaluate our spending on our on our Amazon account. So it's a combination of a lot of things. There's it's not just one or two things, and it's not it's not rocket science. It's nothing to stress out about. Uh, I I tend to see uh, the the potential home buyers that don't have a budget or don't have a plan. Uh, I tend to see that they have kind of an ex- and an anxiety or a stress on actually digging in and making a strategic plan uh, yeah. and setting a budget. Yeah. Um, m- most of the time, it's it's not it's not that big of a deal. You know, you can cut a lot of corners. Uh, if you just sit down and make that make that time. When you want to buy a home, sometimes you have to bite the bullet, and biting the bullet sometimes means using a family budget. One of my mentors many years ago told me that you can actually make millions on your personal financial ledger by using a personal family budget because when you start keeping track of your bills, you also start keeping track of your income. You also care more about your income. You care more about keeping your bills low, and before you know it, you are on your way to becoming a wealthy person. And wealthy people pay attention and create regular habits that create long-term success. Consider putting together a family budget. When I come back from this break, we're going to be talking more about helping people get ready to purchase a home. And one of the ways we help people is by eliminating your high car payment. How do we do that? We'll talk about it when we come back. A gratifying career as a CSA Head Start teacher or early Head Start teacher is your chance of a lifetime. Hello, I'm Yvette Clark, and I've been in northern Nevada for over 50 years, and I've worked at CSA for one year. We do a family restaurant-style eating at Early Head Start, and the kids try all new foods. We would love to have you join us. Give us a call if you're interested, 775-786-6023. We're back on Nevada Real Estate Radio. Next week, we have a great show. Sherry Hill from Sage International will be joining us. And she's going to talk to us about the pitfalls of having title and deeds drawn up with an incorrect name. You know what I'm talking about. Little misspellings on your name or somebody else's name that's doing a real estate transaction. Oh, it may may be able to get done today without a problem. But when you're ready to sell that property down the road and you've taken title in the wrong name could be big big issues sherry hill will talk about that and how to avoid those problems next week on nevada real estate radio today in the studio i have a guest coming in to visit with us today from united federal credit union aaron henson is with us he's the mortgage loan professional and the production sales manager in the mortgage department there we're talking about ways to help new new borrowers buy that first home even if it's your second home or third home and you're still having trouble buying that new deal, I think a lot of the things we're talking about today could be a big help. In the first segment, we were talking about a personal family budget, actually tracking your expenses day by day. I keep every single receipt. You should see the way some of those merchants look at me when I want a receipt for 59 cents. But, you know, i got to have it. It's a habit. It's the trade-off for being current on my payments and uh, finances. Now we're going to talk about another way that we can save a lot of money, and it's somewhat related to the personal family budget, but it is about the car payment that so many of us have. I learned from my mentor many years ago that you can actually accumulate wealth over the course of your life by eliminating your car payment. He said to me, Peter, if you do everything you can to never have a car payment, you can buy a car, 
spend the money, just don't pay and make those high interest payments, don't have those monthly payments, but find a way to own your vehicles without having car payments. He says you can actually become a millionaire by not having a car. Imagine that. He says if you were 16 years old and you decided to buy your first car for cash or somebody gave it to you as a gift and from there on you never had a car payment in your life, you would save, based on a $300 a month payment, you would save over half a million dollars. And that money that you would normally pay if you put that in something else could accumulate and grow to something substantial. Huge, huge difference by eliminating a car payment. Aaron Henson, what do you think about the car payment? When we sit down and you know, with a uh, with a potential home buyer that that doesn't have that set budget, uh, one of the the main things on their credit report is always the auto loan, right? Right. Um, you know, and typically we what we can do is, uh, you know, we want to kind of dissect that that car payment and figure out if there is a potential for you know a few things, mm -hmm. refinance. Maybe they have a two or three year old car. With uh, with some equity in it that we'd be able to refinance and and lower that payment and draw okay. at that term a little bit, mm -hmm. um, or um, also being able to refinance or or having uh, a relative or a family member take over that loan mm -hmm. uh, to to completely remove that debt from their credit report. Mm -hmm. That that essentially frees up a lot of buying power. Oh yeah, yeah. Some of the things that I've talked to family members about and borrowers too uh, is that you really have to set your priorities on any given day as to what you want to, to be the most important part of your life. And Aaron, I've known people who really do and to this day still believe that the automobile they drive is the most important part of their life. It is a, it is a prestige kind of thing. It's an image thing. And regardless of whether they're parking it in front of a two-bedroom rental apartment or or any place else, even mm -hmm. in the street, they don't care because when they drive that car, they feel like a million bucks. Yep. But I think people have to understand that an automobile is typically, in in almost all cases, a depreciating asset. And, and what that means is that it's worth less and less every day of the year. And that car's wearing out, and before long, rust and corrosion is is going to eliminate that car from this earth. And when you buy a home, you're buying not only the property on the lot, but you're buying the land as well. You're buying something of real substance, something that has long value, something that I call legacy. It is something that you would leave to a dependent, a child, a relative. If you passed, it would be something of worth, of value, something of significance in the world. A car rarely is going to have that kind of significance. So that car mentality it really has to get out of the front burner, maybe go to the back burner. But right now, buying the house is so important. I do as much as I can, Aaron, to impress upon people just how much value there is in real estate. That's why they're talking to me. That's why you and I are doing this show. Mm -hmm. We see it all the time where, uh, you know, especially growing up, we got a, we had a neighbor uh had one of the brand new Porsche Panameros. They had the, it was the new four door Porsche, mm -hmm. and um, you know it was it was it was, it was kind of odd curiosity that she was a uh, she was a waitress down the street at a restaurant and rented her two bedroom condo next to ours, um, but she drove a you know hundred thousand plus. Uh, car mm -hmm. uh, you know it's just it's all it's all about perspective and mm -hmm. and where 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 you want to be and what you want to do in your life and you know the number one thing 
is uh, the number one investment in your life is real estate. So you want to do that first. Uh, the cars, the toys, the the, the boats, the RVs, mm-hmm. all that all that comes next. Yeah, and so what's nice about when you set up your mortgage payment when you first make that start making that mortgage payment. In most cases, but you get a fixed rate mortgage. That means your mortgage payment is not going to change unless you do something to that mortgage, refinance it. Um, change the interest rate on your own, but otherwise the mortgage payment stays the same. Uh, if you buy a car payment, uh, you're going to keep that same car payment until you pay off the car, but the next time you buy a car, probably in four, five, six years, that car payment's probably going to be a lot higher, and who knows where the interest rates are going to be. So buying a home, even when you buy it on interest payments, there's an element of security there because it is a fixed rate, and let's face it, it's where you live. You're either going to buy that home for yourself or you're going to buy it for your landlord. There's no just no two ways about it. So the key is to eliminate or drastically reduce your car payment. Some of the tips we talked about, well, it's to get a relative to maybe take over that loan on that car payment so you can get them in their name, and then now you don't have that car payment on your credit report. It gives you a better ratio, gives you more money that you can spend uh, on your mortgage payment and maybe qualify for the home that you've been looking for. The other thing that you might do, if you don't have a relative who can take over that loan, is sell that car. Drive a little older car for a while. Maybe take public transportation if you can. Do anything you can to eliminate that car payment off of your credit report and off of your liabilities so that you can get pre-approved for a mortgage. In many cases, people find that they can buy a used car for much, much less, many times for a low amount of cash, and before long, they're back on the street, they're driving their car, they're getting to and from work without a problem. Maybe you don't have the prestige of driving a Porsche, but driving a Honda is probably going to still get you to work in plenty of a safe fashion. So think about eliminating that car payment to be on your way to becoming a homeowner. When we come back from this break, we're going to talk about other creative ways to help you become a homeowner, including how to get more down payment, how to get a co-borrower, how to declare more income. Is that possible? It is. We'll tell you how after this brief message. While the kids are being cared for at Early Head Start, parents are able to maintain a job, go back to school, do whatever they need to do to support their family. Hi, my name is Miss Camilla. I work for Early Head Start. I am in the baby room. I absolutely love it. I love working with the babies. They are newborns to one-year-olds, and it's just very, very heartwarming. If you want a great job and love kids, come see us at Head Start and Early Head Start. If you want the best tax and legal secrets used by successful real estate investors today, contact Sherry Hill, the wealth protection diva at Sage International Incorporated, a local company that's been helping new as well as seasoned real estate investors for over 20 years protect their hard-earned wealth today. To schedule a free 30-minute consultation with Sherry, call 775-786-5515. That's 775-786-5515 to strategize with the Wealth Protection Diva today. Call Sage International. The most productive hour of your week. Here is your host, Peter Padilla. Welcome back to Nevada Real Estate Radio. We are enjoying helping people purchase their homes. Many times people are first-time home buyers. They don't know how to get started. All the challenges that have come up over the course of the last few years makes it even more difficult. Today, we're giving some tips on how to be able to pull the trigger faster, be able to have some hope and some uh, positiveness in your life because you know you can make it happen. If you follow some of our instructions, 
you will make it. If you follow all instructions, you will definitely make it. One of the best things you can always do is talk to a licensed mortgage professional before you go out to shop for homes. And I'm lucky to have one in the studio today. And uh, he's from United Federal Credit Union. Aaron Henson is with us. Aaron, if anybody wants to reach you before the show's over, what is the best way to call it? Give me your number. Yep, direct line, cell phone, uh, attached to my hip. Phone number 775-815-3390. You can always email me, A. Henson, H-E-N-S-O-N, at unitedfcu.com. And Aaron Henson's NMLS mortgage license number is 871357. Glad you're with us today. Many people struggle because, uh, well, they have hard car payments like we talked about. They don't have a personal family budget. They don't have the mental capacity. You know, they're not confident enough that they can buy a home. And a lot of times, that's what holds them up the most, Aaron. And I know the reason a lot of them have lack of confidence is because they know they've got a lot of debts. They don't want to talk about their debts, but they know they've got a lot of them. And you know, many times people have even more debts than they actually have because they got them in their mind. Mm-hmm. When you start to address the issue, when you start to look the problem in the right in the eyes, many times you can fix that. And if you have debts, this segment's going to really help you because debt is really killing America in many ways. The average American only saves less than 1% of their income, and they actually spend more than they make, many of them. Uh, and this is uh, this is continuing to drive a crappy economy in America. What can I tell you? The, the bottom line is that you cannot build wealth for yourself when you owe so many other people money. And uh, this this uh, purpose of this class, of this this instruction that we're talking about today, is not only to get out of debt, but to stay out of debt forever. Once you get out of debt mentally, you're on your way to getting out of debt in reality. The average American has over $15,000 in an unsecured debt. Now our parents, our grandparents, many of them, they didn't have credit cards and they did just fine. Uh, of course, there's good debt, there's bad debt. Really, bad debt is anything that's used to buy non-assets, you know, like cars, vacations, clothes, just stuff to make you feel good. Candy. It's hard to get rich when you're paying somebody else. And there's good reason for that. It typically makes people feel better and drastically reduces your stress when you can stay out of debt. Many people, however, they just look at that short-term gratification when they buy something and worry about those payments that start next month. You know, when you're really strong financially, stay out of debt, it really is better for your family. Fewer families go into divorce when they have no debt or don't struggle with debt. And you can set a great example for your kids and friends, your family members, when you live a life of prosperity. That means a life without debt. You can live and enjoy the things that you don't need as much as the things that you have. You will actually feel better physically. I heard one of these things from a doctor once. He said that stress is really what's killing most people in America. And reducing stress, of course, is very healthy for your mind and your body. And then when it comes to your emotions, your life would be so much simple, wouldn't it, if you didn't have to make all those bill payments every month, if you didn't have to figure out who you're going to pay and who you're not going to pay this month. The strategies that we talk about, well, they're for everybody. They're for young people. They're for older people. I hate to see young people go into debt because I know there's a lot of suffering coming in their future. 
Of course, one way that we talked about earlier, Aaron, was to have a family budget. Do you think once you get a family budget, you're less likely to go into debt or as much oh, debt? It's a huge, huge positivity in your life. That's the number one thing when we sit down with with new home buyers or new homeowners mm-hmm. uh, is to is to, to plan. We need a strategic uh, a plan set in set in place uh, so you know what you're working towards. Uh-huh. Without that, you know you, you're you're kind of just going off the whim and 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 you know day by day. So yeah. the, the 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 quicker you sit down and take that time uh, to set a debt or sorry, excuse me, uh, set a plan and put it in place, mm-hmm. uh, the faster that you'll become uh, uh, less stressed and, and be able to, to purchase your home. Oh yeah. It, you know, it's like any project, anything difficult that I have to do would be yard work, housework, work, work. The hardest thing is think, thinking about it many mm-hmm. times or yeah. avoiding it, trying to get away from it, but it's always in your mind. But I find, Aaron, that once I think hard about how I will feel when I accomplish my mm-hmm. goals, mm-hmm. then it's really easy to get started yeah. from that point on. In fact, it can move kind of fast because I'm knowing right where I'm going. I am laser focused. And once I made that decision to get out of debt, well, it was laser focused for me. I kept thinking, wow, you know, in six months I'm going to have this credit card totally paid off. Right. Right. What's that going to be like when I don't have to make those payments anymore? Wow, that's going to be great. I can take that trip. I can buy this. I can do that vacation. I can start saving more money. But once I had that feeling in my mind that I've already accomplished it, uh, nothing got in the way. Yeah. It was really an easy way to make it happen. Yeah, it's really ironic. Uh, you know, when you're you're sitting on the couch and you know you know you have things to do in the yard, right? And you're procrastinating and procrastinating. But as soon as you uh, make you make the decision to put a plan in place mm-hmm. to cut those weeds to mow that grass. As soon as you put that plan in place in your mind, you execute it. Yeah, it's the same thing in in life with with debt, uh, personally with your career. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I have a business plan, same as a personal budget. Uh, you know, you you set those goals and you put that plan in place. And as soon as you take that first step in doing that, it's almost automatic that you're going to execute it. It's just amazing. All you have to do is be confident that you can do it. And I know people can do it. Most people are not nearly as confident about themselves as they should be because we have the capacity as human beings to do practically anything we want in this world. And getting out of debt, it's pretty easy if you've got the plan. Well, what is the plan? Well, I learned from an expert many years ago. His name was Ben Barker. He told me how to get out of debt in one year. If you do it right, if you stay on on the job, if you keep focused, he said you can do it in as quickly as one year. Well, how do you do it, I asked. He said, here's what you do, Peter. You take two columns. On the one column, you put the balance of your first credit card that you owe to, and then keep going down. Second credit card, third credit card, you got a car payment, put that in there too on another line. How about any personal loans or student loans or bankruptcy repayments, divorce payments, uh, child support, anything that you've got to send out every month, put it in there, and then look at your total list. Get those payments on that, on those uh, totals list of what you actually owe. And then on the right side, in the next column, put down the monthly payment. Add all of those up, he said. When you put all those together, now you know what you're, what you're committed to. You've got to make those payments. But how do you get things paid off? With, uh, well, he said, well, with three or four credit cards, that's where you should start first. He said that the easiest way to do it is to actually put a freeze on all your credit cards. Essentially, cut them all up except for one, and then you can start using just the one card and pay the other ones off. That way you can make that happen. 
this way you'll get in, in used to just having one card. You won't get into any more debt. Well, that sounds good, and some people can do that. But some people absolutely are so tight, they've got to move charges from one card to another. He said, well, the next thing he said he recommends to do is to get a second mortgage, a new first mortgage, or... Uh, Aaron, you were talking about even a line of credit. How could you use that to yeah. help pay those debts down? Yeah, no, you know, you, you hit the nail right on the head. When we sit down and I uh, have a potential home buyer that has a lot of credit card debt, right? Uh, the credit score is probably lower because they have so many liability or, or trade lines out on those debts. You, you just got to, you got to separate them out and you got to chunk them out. So, you can even, you know, start from the bottom. The lower, uh, uh, high, lower balances on those on those lower cards, start paying those off first. You know, hide the card. Uh, you know, put it put it in water and freeze them. Mm-hmm. You know, just don't use them. Pay those cards off one by one, and then before you know it, you're in a pos- better position to be able to get pre pre approved for a mortgage. Yeah. As far as cash out refinance, yeah, you got we've got you know home equity lines of credit. Uh, it's essentially second mortgage or even a cash out refinance on the first. Now, essentially, there's a lot of people, the majority of, of homeowners right now have that lower interest rate because of where rates have been in the last two or three years. That doesn't exclude the fact that they have high interest payments on those credit cards. Um, I read something this year that we've, uh, as a nation, surpassed $1 trillion in consumer debt. That's never happened in the history of the United States. Mm -hmm. That's huge. Everyone's in the same position. So one way or another, either you start chunking them out and start paying off the lower uh, balance cards first, or, you know, with uh, being a homeowner, everyone has a lot of equity in their homes right now. Uh, Sometimes, you know, your lines of credits or your HELOCs aren't the best uh, option. Um, Cash out refinance, even if you have that lower interest rate, you know, you go from paying 3% on a mortgage to, let's say, 6%, but you're knocking out tens of thousands of dollars in, in credit card balances and double-digit interest. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There are ways that you can make it work. That's why you have to do the calculations, and I know you help folks with that, Aaron, when they do the cost-benefit and comparisons of getting a refinance or a cash-out refinance on your existing mortgage. If you don't already have a mortgage and you're back to that first-time home buyer, but you've got a lot of credit cards. Another way that you can do that is maybe consolidate all your debts in just one or two credit cards, and then call the credit card companies and see if you can negotiate a lower interest rates on either one of those cards. That alone could save you thousands and help you pay the credit cards off faster. When you call the credit card companies, you need to talk to a manager and tell them that you want to offer them uh, more of your business, but you need a better interest rate. You'll be amazed the benefit there. And then finally, if you can't do that and you're still stuck with three or four credit cards, nobody wants to give you any break on any interest rates, well, what you've got to do is you've got to just pay those credit cards off over the best and least amount of time possible. One of the ways that you might want to try that is to pay off the minimum on all of the cards except one, the one with the lowest balance. And then on that one with the lowest balance, work really hard to get it paid off faster. Make more payments, a few dollars extra each month on that one. And then before long, it will be paid off and you can celebrate. Then after that, pay off the next card and you get the idea. You get conditioned to paying off your credit cards and enjoying the way that you feel when you have 
zero or very low credit card debt. That's going to help people get qualified for a mortgage, right? Absolutely. And one thing uh, that they should know, when you pay off those cards as you go, right, don't close the cards. Don't cancel the cards. Keep them open. That uh, establishes longevity and tenure on your credit report. So you never want to close them. You just want to pay them down to zero. That's an excellent point. Nothing better that a mortgage lender would like to see than an open, active account with zero balance. Absolutely. That'll bump your credit score good. Huge. All right. When we come back, we're going to talk about one of the biggest things that keeps people from being able to purchase the home, especially first-time home buyers, and that's their income. How do you get more income? When you need to buy a home. Well, we'll give you some ideas after this message. Natakwa. Natakwa News. Good news. History, travel, and fun. Fun for all ages. Natakwa News. Pick up your copy today. Natakwa. We're back on Nevada Real Estate Radio. Woo! It's hot outside. And it's hot inside. Uh, you just got to stay cool. And staying cool is the key to success in northern Nevada this time of the year. What do I encourage you to stay cool? Well, I encourage you to stay indoors in the heat of the day. Anytime between 2 p.m. and 4 p.m., it is way too hot for me to be outdoors. Uh, not good on my skin either. And why, why do all that work if you don't need to? Enjoy the evenings. We have such beautiful evenings and twilight here in northern Nevada because in the Truckee Meadows, we're in the valley, and uh, we are sure enjoying it now. So take that tip. Want to enjoy some cool weather? Step out tonight after 7 p.m. Look at the stars. Look at the twilight here in northern Nevada. With me in the studio, Aaron Henson. He's from United Federal Credit Union. You staying cool this summer? Ah, trying to. Just stay in the water. Short sleeves are out, I can see. <laughs> Very good. Hey, we're talking to help about helping people make that uh, first home and uh, purchase. And many times people just can't do it for a variety of reasons. We talked about earlier about the importance of having a personal family budget and about getting out of debt. And then of course, avoiding that high car payment. But you know, when it all comes down to it, sometimes that maybe not is not enough. Or maybe we can get a better home if we could find some way to get more money. Well, how do you do that? How do you drastically, in any way, shape or form, increase your current income? Well, Aaron, I found that many times in the past, some of my borrowers wouldn't give me all the details. Mm -hmm. I remember once talking to a borrower, telling him that I just could not get him pre-approved for X number of dollars of house purchase because he just didn't have enough income there. Sure, he had reduced all of his debt. He had a great credit score. He had nothing going against him. He just didn't have enough income on his own. He told me his wife didn't work, you know, so I was there putting in his income and, and everything, and I... I, ju I said, can you borrow any money? Do you have anything else? He said, no, no, no. I said, well, is, is there any other income that's coming into the house in any way, shape, or form? I don't care what it is. He said, well, you know, Peter, my wife does get a Social Security check. Can she <laughs> use that? That's not income, is it? Yep, yep. No, My jaw uh, fell. Yeah. Why well, is that? Because that is income, right? We, we run into it all the time. Yep. Um, I had a single mother the other day. Same thing. We were just so close. Her ratios were just a tad too high. Uh -huh. We've been working on her credit. Took her about a year, maybe a little bit over a year, to, to pay down those cards. Um, she had some help from family members to get her, her debt in line, and we were just so close. And we were just scratching our heads, you know, what what can we do? And and we went through everything. And, and then one of, you know, one of the days when we sat down and we were uh, going through her, her bank statements to see how her spending was doing and her budget and making sure she was on, on course, uh, I saw a $750 uh, monthly deposit mm -hmm. that didn't look familiar. Mm -hmm. Asked her about it and she said, oh, yeah, well, that's that's my child support. That's court-ordered 
that I receive on a monthly basis. Wow. There you go. All we need is the court order documents, and as, as long as it, uh, as long as she receives that for an, you know the, the next thirty six months or three years, and that's something that we can use as income. Oh yeah, that was a, a godsend. You know, when you see that you can actually use income like that, and that's and I think part of the reason is Aaron that many people don't know what income is mm-hmm. when it comes to getting a mortgage. Absolutely, income isn't just a job; it's what regular monthly payments do you get. Uh, so Social Security is one of them. Yep. Child support is another. Alimony is another. Uh, some uh, IRA distributions. IRA distributions. Uh, bankruptcy proceeds. Uh, many people I was dealing with for a while, they were in the world of annuities. And so they were getting regular monthly payments from their annuity. It was a long-term commitment. And all of that added together really puts people in a great position. Uh, so many people just need to talk to a, a financial professional, somebody like you, Aaron, because you know the questions to ask. Uh, a, a non-trained professional is not going to ask those questions, and even if they got the answer, they won't know how to factor them in right. to the mortgage buying process. I actually love it when a client tells me that they have alimony, child support, annuity, you know, a, 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 a divorce decree, something like that. And I'm not happy because they had to go through those problems, mind you. I'm happy because I know that they have regular monthly payments coming toward them, and now this compensation can really be put to great use. I mean, what better could you do with this compensation while you're getting it than use it to invest in real estate for yourself, for your family, for your future? It's a great way to build wealth, to accumulate uh, a legacy in your world, and you can do it. You can turn those bad times into some some, uh, positive things by using that income. So what other ways, what other creative ways are there to get more income in your world? Well, one time, Aaron, I had this gent tell me that um, he had a second job uh, when I asked him about getting more income because he didn't have I said, well, what is it? He said, well, I, I, I'm just doing a little a little auto re- repair work for a company down the street because I used to be a mechanic. He said, but, um, you know, they pay me about $500 a month. And I said, well, that's pretty good income that would really help but how long have you been doing it and I was figuring he'd say he does it off and on he says oh I get I do it every week I'm in there for 10 hours a week and I do whatever it is and at any rate we were able to use his part-time income Mm -hmm. as his qualifying income it wasn't just his regular full-time job Uh, talk about that a little bit yeah absolutely Um, you know when you're when you're close on your your debt to income ratios right to get to get pre-approved uh, second job, you can always add a second job. Now there are guidelines, parameters, and restrictions on that. Essentially, if you've had a second job uh, for at least the last two years, we are allowed to use that as additional income. Yeah, yeah. And one time a guy had a part-time job. Mm-hmm. But again, he's same doing thing. a long time. Is it the same thing? Yeah, same thing. Part-time job, uh, off and on, if, you, if you've if you received income consistently, um, and what I mean by consistently is is a two year span or more mm-hmm. uh, W2. Uh, we can we can use that as income. And the reason I bring that one up is I had a barber who was a part time substitute teacher at an elementary school, and he had been doing that for a number of years. And his income was on this part time job was relatively similar from year to year over the course of the last several years. Uh, the underwriters actually used that. Uh, because they said it, he said it was very likely, his employer said it was very likely that they would continue to use his services indefinitely. Absolutely. And it made a big difference. It allowed him to not only qualify for the home he was looking to purchase, but even for more if he wanted had wanted to get a, a, 
uh, a more expensive home. So having that second job, part-time job, is a good thing. And even if someone, let's say, has only been on the second job or part-time job for six months or a year, I encourage people to stay with that job and get the value of it because they're getting close to where they can right. really use it as an asset in many ways, you can call it that, because it's an income asset. It gives you a chance to demonstrate that with this other part-time gig that you've been doing for this long, you're getting close to at least two years. Once you get beyond that, um, it can really be a big help. So you may only be 16 months away from buying a home. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it goes back to the to the plan, right? Put a plan in place, budget or, or a plan to, to become a homeowner. Just give me a call. Mm-hmm. Whatever you you know, if if you're interested or or you want to you, you want to get some more information about becoming a homeowner, give me a call. It's it. There's no cost. You can we can either do it over the phone or you can come in. And we can meet and we can sit down and put a plan in place. Peter, you're right. If it's six months, eight months. Hey, I just started my my part time job. It's been about you know a little over a year. Awesome. Let's. Come on in. Let's talk. Let's see exactly what we need to do to get you to where you need to be. Yes, yes. There's always there's always other ways that we can look at. Uh, let me give you another example. I had a, uh, in my early days as a mortgage lender, I didn't really know what I was doing as well as a seasoned mortgage lender. Like yourself, Aaron, I had a couple come see me. They had just graduated from college. They were teachers. They'd gotten their teaching job uh, here in town. They'd been on the job for about four or five months. And when they came to see me, I told them by mistake, I said to them, I'm sorry, I can't approve your loan because you haven't had two years on the job. Let people know what mistake I made. Yeah, it's not two years on the job. So if it's a primary em- employment, uh, you know, we need two years history of your employment. That doesn't mean if, it, you know, that, that's not, that's not you know, designated to the, to the job that you're at currently. So as long as you've been employed for two plus years, um, and we can even string that together, right? So there's there's different you know guidelines and and loan parameters for for different loan programs. Mm-hmm. Um, but essentially, if you've you know you've took some time off to go back to school and now you've been at your new job uh, for six months, we can tie in your employment of the the current six months through your you know uh, schooling and and beyond that to create that two-year employment history. Well, that was the big thing that I missed, Aaron, is that these borrowers actually were qualified, and we finally did get them qualified shortly after we discovered that I had made an error, and that was that because they were in school to study Mm -hmm. to become teachers, and then they got the job as teachers, it was very shortly later that they were qualified because they had studied and gotten their degree to become elementary school teachers. So again, having that professional in your corner is really a great, great advantage. How to increase your income, there's so many ways, so many different things that we can do, and so many things that we can talk about, about how you can focus more on your work, you can uh, go to work earlier, come later, if you're a commission worker, you just have more focus. But if you're an hourly worker and you're punching in at 9 a.m. and you're punching out at 5 p.m., you're really at the dependency of any other side gigs, part-time gigs, or your full-time gig for your income. So I finally ask you this, and I know this works from personal experience. I've seen it happen uh, in my life and in other people's lives. Go talk to your boss. If you're doing a great job for your boss, if you've been at the company, you've been loyal, you've done the right things, and you tell your boss candidly, boss, I'm thinking about buying a house for my family and myself, and I'm just a little bit short. Is there any way that you could assist me 
by accelerating my raise, getting me a raise, giving me a merit raise, giving me whatever it is. Let your employer know that you're looking to purchase a home and you're just looking for help. You would be surprised what you would hear. I remember one instance where an employer told the employee, yeah, we'll give you a raise and we're also going to give you a $5,000 bonus for your down payment. How about that? Well, there's no guarantee. But you see, when an employer knows that you are willing to make a commitment to yourself, to your family, to the world, to buy your home, real estate, and you're working for this employer, you're going to be a much more secure kind of individual from their perspective as a future homeowner. A great type of employer for me is a homeowner who makes an investment with the income that they earn at my business. So that's my top tip. Ask your boss for a raise. My guest, Aaron Henson. Aaron, I'm glad you've been with us today. What are your thoughts? I, I agree. Um, there, there's there's just there's so many different avenues that uh, that you can figure out in regards to increasing the income or increasing your probability of being pre-approved. Uh, those are all great uh, examples. Uh, I, I've seen those throughout the years as well. Uh, you just, uh, you know, it doesn't hurt to ask. Um, also, I see a lot of uh, co-signers. I know that's uh, sure. something that we'd like to talk about. Uh, non-occupying co-borrowers is the, the the actual lingo for it, and that could be, you know, that could be a family member, uh, brother, sister, cousin, aunt, uncle. Could be a partner. Maybe you're doing a partnership where uh, you and a, and a longtime friend are going to go into uh, purchasing a duplex or a home together. Two siblings. Yeah. Many, many times mm-hmm. I've done deals like that. Yeah, yeah. That's a great uh, idea. Yeah. Boyfriend and girlfriend. They don't have to live there as their primary uh, residence, um, but they're more so a, a, a co-borrower or a co-signer to be able to utilize yeah. their income and add it to yours to be able to qualify. Aaron Henson, I'm going to put all of your contact information on our website, NevadaRealEstateRadio.com. We'll make it easy for people to find you, and hopefully you'll come back, talk to us a little bit more. We can give some more great tips and ideas to our first-time homebuyers. Yes, sir. Appreciate it. All right. I'd like to thank our listeners for tuning in as well. We're on the air again next week, same time, same station. Tell your friends to tune in, too, and then they can make a great deal when it comes time to buy or sell real estate. Until then, goodbye, everybody. Goodbye. Goodbye. You have been listening to Nevada Real Estate Radio with Peter Padilla. We value your listenership. Want to talk with Peter? Send an email to Peter at NevadaRealEstateRadio.com. Next time on the Sherry Hill Show, I have Vance Eden, Senior Product Advisor for Heartland Payroll Solutions. And we're going to talk about payroll processing inside and out so that you stay in compliance local state, and federal. You do not want to get in trouble or behind in payroll. The Sherry Hill Show, Mondays, 1130 a.m. and Sundays at 1 p.m. on 93.7 FM. The Sherry Hill Show, where business is amplified.